to the Starks Lounge, a podcast about business, entrepreneurship, and franchising. I'm your host, Steve Tallis, and I'm the co-founder of Starks Barber Company, one of Canada's fastest-growing franchise systems. Starks is an upscale and modern take on the traditional barbershop, offering men the ultimate haircut experience. One of the things that makes our stores unique is our lounge, a place where customers can relax and socialize before their haircut. My goal in this series is to talk to my guests candidly, like we're hanging out in the Starks Lounge. I want to give listeners insight into entrepreneurship and business ownership and a behind-the-scenes look at what our company is all about. I'll be talking with franchisees within our system, as well as experts and thought leaders in the franchise industry. I really hope you enjoy this series, and please subscribe if you do. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm hanging out in the Starks Lounge by myself, and I wanted to let everybody know that uh, if you hear the odd screaming kid in the background, it's uh, it's because I have two of them. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm sitting here in my home office, like many people uh, during the last year, and um, uh, recording this session. And, and the reason why I want to do it uh, is because I was thinking about uh, recently, every so often, just sharing some insights and learnings and, and um, all of the knowledge that I've gathered through the years um, as a small business owner, making the transition from entrepreneur or uh, uh, my corporate career to entrepreneurship, um, you know, the mentorship that I've had, um, which we sought a lot of prior to getting into franchising. And, um, you, you know, today I, I was thinking about how important it is to address some of the concerns that people have uh, when they're starting out and how they look at risk and, and what they want to get you know, from a financial standpoint when, when looking at a business. And then the other thing is a little bit about business um, and, 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 and what I've learned um, and, and how important fit is because you, you're going to hear that a lot in this podcast when, you know, I talk and when I interview people um, who I've been able to connect with over the years because uh, the, the reason why we have a great relationship probably is because we think alike. And, and, and in a lot of cases, they've imparted knowledge on me. Um, and, and that's, you know, a really important um, aspect is, is what I've soaked in, I think, are a lot of the common denominators, right? You, you, you hear it over and over again from the successful people. And then you earmark it as something that's really important. And then you can reflect back on it and say, hey, these are, are actually now the things that not only did I suspect uh, were really important, but, but now I can confirm that. And so, yeah, I want to share, share my experience as a successful entrepreneur and having made the jump um, and, and then, you know, talk, talk a lot about franchising. And I think every, every so often I, I, I need to, to record one of these episodes where I just hang out in the Starks Lounge by myself and um where where i can just yeah, dive into my thoughts and, and and give you my pearls of wisdom and, and and hopefully uh they add a lot of value to your life and to your uh your search and 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 your journey uh into entrepreneurship so uh let's get to it so i want to just start by um talking about a few of the guests that we're going to have in the next few weeks we've got um calvin holland from avis and young and um these guys are global leaders in the uh uh, commercial real estate space and and um, they're the the partner uh, of choice for us at Starks and um, you know there's there's a lot of stuff in the commercial real estate world that is just so vastly different from from the residential space so 
Um, Calvin's going to join me and, and we're going to talk a lot about, you know, location and, and how we're successful um, and, and, and really what you should be looking for in, in whatever business you're in, in terms of location and, and how those opportunities come about and some of the cool things that, that, that you probably don't know. Uh, we're going to talk to Keith Levinson, who is uh, a consultant that, that has decades and decades of experience in, uh, in franchising. And he's a friend of mine from down in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, Keith is going to share some, uh, some really, really interesting stuff with us. And, and he works um, strictly with emerging franchise brands. So his, his area of expertise is uh, helping people sell that first you know critical franchise and, and build the company to these thresholds that are you know just the hardest ones to get to 10 stores you know 20 stores or units i should say um that's where people uh really struggle struggle and falter so so obviously when you're buying a new franchise you know you're thinking about hey it, it, the old adage is, is if you've heard about it it's probably too late and so so we're all looking for an emerging franchise right because we want to get the great territory and you know we we, we want to get a good deal and we want to get in on something um you know that's going to become the next uh you know fill in the blank right all, all the great brands that are out there um, but when you're doing that you know, you have to be really careful because, um, you know, a lot of them don't make it to uh, 10 or 20 units. Those are, are really the two big thresholds. And so that's Keith's expertise. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a great episode. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and, and we've got some other cool guests lined up. But now on to today's content. And, you know, really one of the things that, that I wanted to kick it off with is, is talking about risk. Because I think that's the big barricade out there for people and and obviously there's two things right there's risk and there's opportunity and so i i tell people you know stay in the middle um and don't um veer too far one way or the other and then i kind of coach them on you know my philosophy um and, and and so i'll preface kind of like what I think about risk and entrepreneurship by saying that most people don't realize, and, and I'm speaking here um, in Canada, and I, I know there's great programs in the U.S. too, but, you know, there's government-backed programs that are designed to stimulate the economy. Um, it's it's kind of like a mortgage, right? It's, it's, it's like, why would, you know, why would anybody want to lend you money for 30 years? And, it, well, you know, the original... Uh, concept is people need a place to live, right? So you need, and you need to give people a way to buy houses. And the same thing applies to the economy and starting businesses and, and small business, which is really the backbone of the economy. It's like, how does the government stimulate um, that activity and that growth? And, and it all contributes to this ever-growing GDP. Um, and, and obviously, we know, the population is always growing. And, and, and for many of us, we see in the towns we live in, many, many, many more businesses than, than were there decades ago. And, and so there's a bit of an aha moment when I talk to um, prospects about Canadian small business financing, which is, which is the program that we, we choose to use time and time again. And, and you, it's, it's nothing different than what Ryan and I had, my, my business partner and I, when we, we were looking at getting out of our corporate jobs and you know, we were looking at how much money we have and what are our options in terms of businesses that we can start. And obviously we're, we're risking a lot. And then, and then we look at the lending program and we say, Hey, wait a minute here. Like, you know, the government is backing 
a huge chunk of the um, of of the loan and and minimizing risk. They're incentivizing the bank by doing that to lend to us. And you know, we had some great great access to 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 really you know kind of get into the market um, in a way that we otherwise maybe wouldn't have thought would have been an option. Um, so so the light came on through doing a lot of research, and I see it all the time when I talk to people. So, um, and obviously, you know, with these programs, you can negotiate a, a floating or a fixed rate in terms that meet your needs and you can amortize for quite a long time, not, not like, not like a mortgage, but for 10 years. And, and that's a long time, um, in the business world. And, and so, so it, it very much mimics, you know, something like a mortgage and it's meant to be there for you to be able to get access to, um, you know, living your dreams, starting a business, stimulating the economy, creating jobs. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's important, right. Is, is knowing what's out there. And then the BDC, um, which is the business development bank of Canada. And they're on standby with, uh, a ton of representatives and you can walk into a BDC office. There's probably one, you know, local to where you are and they have amazing programs. One of the new programs they have coming out of COVID is called futurepreneurs. And it's specifically designed for entrepreneurs under the age of 40 who want to get out there and start businesses. And, um, you know, that's a great program. And, and not only, you know, and the BDC is really thoughtful with this stuff, right? And the, and the, and the BDC is, is, is the government, right? It's the federal government. So um, it's, it's technically not really a bank. So, so the way they operate is, you know, if you're having a little trouble with the bank, the BDC can come in and top you up. They can match what the bank is doing, help you out. That, that's really what they're there for. And, and so Futurepreneurs is just this great creative program where you can tap into, I, you know, I believe it's forty or $60,000 in cash, and don't quote me, but um, check it out online. Uh, if you Google BDC Futurepreneurs, you'll, you'll see a pop-up. And they also provide you with a business mentor in the, in the, uh, in the space that you're looking at. And, and so really, really good resources um, with the BDC. So I always want to say to people, you know, to kick things off is like, get excited about what's out there because um, there's great, great programs out there. And so when we're talking about risk, um, one of the great uh, things that kind of hit me um, and really kind of changed my whole outlook on risk. And, 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 and so let me preface this by saying this is, this is hindsight, right? And, and, and so obviously we, we've had a very successful run and, and, and hope that there's, you know, a lot of runway in front of us. But, but looking back now, I've got almost 10 years as an entrepreneur. And I, I recently heard Canadian entrepreneur, uh, Jeff Booth, and he's a best-selling author. He wrote the, uh, a book called The Price of Tomorrow. And I mean, it's really, really uh, uh, moving and groundbreaking stuff. And, and he's kind of exploded in terms of his notoriety because of the book. But one of the things that he says is there really isn't any risk in entrepreneurship. What you're actually doing is making an asymmetric bet on yourself. So, you know, let's, let's pick that apart, right? Um, uh, well, you know, what is asymmetry, right? It's it's one side kind of heavily outweighing the other. So in, in, in Jeff's description, he's saying, you know, look at what you're really putting up and what the possible reward is. And so take, for example, what I was just talking about with um, with financing programs and saying, okay, if the business costs me 300000 and 
200K of it, I'm, I'm able to finance through a great government-backed program where my risk on that 200K is, is minimal if there's downside. And then I've got to come up with 100,000 of my own cash and I'm going to drive that in, into uh, certain aspects to get the business off the ground. And, and so my, my total risk here is, is maybe uh, you know $130,000. And then what's the upside? Well, the upside is you know, years, decades of income, job security, uh, because you'll never have job security in the workforce. You, you just, it, no matter how much it feels like you do, you, you never can actually have job security if somebody else is in charge of your job or if you work for someone else. You get flexibility. Obviously, a lot of entrepreneurs are looking for that and more time with their families or just being able to, um, to do things according to their schedule. And I think that's really prevalent in COVID, right? People are liking this whole work from home thing because it's like, yeah, certain meetings that I have, I have to log on at that time, but then I can take my kids for a walk, you know, and I can do a few things and then I'll, I'll tackle that later after I put them to bed. And so small business and entrepreneurship can be a lot like that, where you can just kind of like maneuver and do the things that you want to do when you want to do them. Job creation, really rewarding. That's another upside. Um, we've created uh 55 or 60 jobs so far at Starks and really impacted certain people's lives. And that is hugely uh, rewarding for us. So, um, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's one that you probably don't think of, but it's their uh, community impact. Um, really big. You know, I, I've talked uh, when I was speaking with Sam Smod in the first edition of our podcast, we were talking about this kind of legacy element. And, you know, I said, I have this, this, uh, newspaper clipping in, in my office of my, my father who passed away and said car wash owner touched many lives, right? So we, we had a big impact in the community that we were growing up in and we donated a lot of money to certain causes and we were always kind of prevalent at, at local events and stuff and it, it made our family really proud and, and so, you know, we, we really drive that stuff with our uh, franchisees at Starks and so, um, yeah, that's, that's a really important and fulfilling aspect. And then retirement. Right, so the pension has kind of gone the way of the dodo, and what you get out of a business is something that you can sell, you know, anywhere from like three to five times earnings, probably in a small business. So you know, you build this business, you run it for decades, you get that income replacement and whatnot, and then when it comes time to retire, you know, if it's not something that you'd be be able to pass down to your kids or willing to do or or what have you, or something that you are looking at as a retirement package, then um, yeah, you can sell it. So that's the upside. Right. It's huge, huge upside. Like you're talking again, decades, millions of dollars or, you know, something that you can sell at the end and all this other great stuff. And, and again, what's the downside? The downside is you lose your 130 K and you go back to work. Um, and, and, and I don't want to gloss over that. Like it's nothing, you know, people work really hard for their money. And, and when we started Starks, it was like, it was like our life savings, right? For two young guys, I was 28 and Ryan was, was 29 or 30 at the time. And, you know, this was everything that we had, but the payoff is huge. So that's where I think it's really cool to look at it like an asymmetric bet, because when typically when you make a bet, it's like you bet a hundred bucks. And, and if your team wins or, or whatever you're betting on, you make a hundred bucks. And, and for this one, it's kind of like you bet a hundred bucks and you can make thousands and thousands of dollars. So, you know, you really, you really have to zoom out and, and put it into perspective for yourself. And then I think that you know, when, when you're talking about risk mitigation, it's like, you know, the franchisor, right? So, the, so if you're looking at a franchise system, 
what you're buying into is a successful business model that's repeated itself. And so, uh, and, and, and you're going to, you're going to have a wonderful network of entrepreneurs to connect with, but that that's a very special network because these people are running businesses exactly like yours. And that is unique to franchising. So, um, you know, we, we, we observe all the time the conversations that um, our franchisees have with each other and what comes out of it. And, you know, there's a lot of right brain stuff and great ideas, but at the same time, there's a lot of peace of mind and, and a lot of, uh, you know, Hey, that was great. Thanks. I just wanted to confirm that I'm doing the right thing here. And, and they, they do a lot of that. So, and, and then obviously like, you know, you, you talk to us and they, they give make a, a phone call to us and it's like, here's a couple of guys who have run three of these stores for the last 10 years and changed. So they really know what they're doing. And, and we've been through, all of the, the stuff that they're going to go through. But I think that the first thing when I talk about, you know, franchisees coming in and saying, uh, think about the wrong things or, or what have you. It's like, this is a great segue because it's like, I can mitigate risk because the franchisor is going to tell me how much money I'm going to make. And, and realistically, it's, it's just, it's, it's not, I'm going to say it's not that simple. It's just not that at all. Um, you know, here's how you're going to figure out how much money you're going to make. You're going to do all of the work there. Because if I told you something as a franchisor, which I'm not even allowed to do under franchise law, you have to be very, very particular on how you make earnings claims. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and, and usually they're, they're not that reliable because you, you, you basically, uh, distill them down to just meet the requirements of the law. Um, or, or you call a franchisee who can speak completely independently and transparently with you. Uh, but at the end of the day, like how many strangers do you know that would show you their P and L sheets, right? It's like, it's like knocking on your neighbor's door and saying, can I, can I get a look at your, uh, your bank account, uh, your bank statement, you know, see how much you're spending on groceries and what your mortgage is and stuff. So yeah, r realistically, um, you know, there's some work to be done and, and, and there's some good news there. Um, and, and, and so, so what I think people should be doing to understand the unit economics of the business is, um, you know, getting the tools that they need. And, and I'll talk about fit as well, cause that's really important. But so, so if a franchisor is willing to make earnings claims, uh, earnings claims, they're probably going to provide you um, average gross sales figures of their franchisees. And that doesn't do anything for you because you're talking about different markets, certain people who are like top performers, certain people who are like, you know, maybe doing really poorly. And, and there's really no way to dig into those numbers and, and find out, you know, what's really going on. Now, if the average is good, at least you have a baseline, right? You can, you can, you can take all of those sales and, you know, you can kind of, kind of figure a few things out. Um, but if you can't get into the specific unit economics, then, then realistically all you're confirming there is that, you know, this isn't a dumpster fire, right? So most franchisors find that the variance in earnings is just so great that making any kind of claim can create undue liability. So, so a lot of times you're not going to get it. And, and so if you do, you, you know, you might be talking to, a very established concept where they're going to say, you know, here are businesses that have been around from one to 10 years or 10 years plus and urban versus suburban. But, but again, if they have a lot, a lot, a lot of data, 
um, and then they give you something very general. If they end up in court um, for a rescission claim, which is basically where, where someone said, and I, you know, I should touch on this quickly, like as a comfort and security for a franchisee, if the franchisor is misleading you or doing anything that's, that's untoward or nefarious, then you have a two-year window from the time you sign your franchise agreement to file a rescission claim and say, I want my money back. This isn't what I signed up for. And I think that they broke franchise law. So again, a little bit more insulation in terms of the risk side when you're buying a franchise. But, um, you know, almost all small business owners use creative accounting when they're posting expenses and they make it difficult for the franchisor to compare and analyze statements. So, I mean, it, it becomes really difficult for somebody to take a small business uh, statement and, and, and then start to uh, pick it apart um, when people are writing off all kinds of things. And, and, and so again, it's just like, even if you were able to get your hands on it, then you would start saying, uh, to the franchisee, like, hey, can you normalize this for me? And it's like, it, again, it's like there's a 99.9% .9 chance that a stranger isn't going to share their P&Ls with you. And then you're going to ask them to, to go to, to those links in terms of normalizing it or, or getting an account audited. So it's, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not what you should be looking for is the point. Um, and, and it's definitely not appropriate for a franchisor to try and normalize a franchisee's financial statements and share them with a third party. So, you know, it would require permission from the franchisee. Um, and, and, and again, it's not compliant with most franchise laws, my understanding. And again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but this is kind of how I've been counseled. So, you know, I, I, I think that, and, and we'll steer it in, in, in a certain direction here in a second, but with, um, with new franchisors, you know, just to touch on that quickly, there really isn't enough of a track record to go on. So again, here you are looking for that next great opportunity and that emerging concept, and they can't give you much in terms of earnings because they haven't really been around enough to actually give you enough data to make it relevant um, for you to be able to rely on. And then, and then other factors um, influencing earnings include, you know, the franchisee's management ability, operating efficiencies, competition, the economy, other local factors, macro events like COVID and stuff. And so as a result, it's, it's almost impossible for franchisors to provide reliable um, earnings claims. So, so here's the good news. Um, this forces you to do your homework. And that is the most important thing when you're starting a business. So now you're taking the time to develop your own spreadsheets. You're putting together a P&L sheet and you're starting to capture those expenses and then you're starting to fill in the blanks. And you can really do that with the guidance and the help of the franchisor, right? They're gonna give you a ton of tools, which is what we do in our discovery day uh, to help people dig through the financial aspects. Um, if the franchisor isn't giving you any tools and then just hiding behind, um, you know, the, the, the law, you know, here in Ontario, it's the Arthur Wisher Act and saying, you know, I can't, I just, I can't give you anything. And you know, I'd, I'd be weary of that. I, I think that it, yeah, there are constraints and, and, but you, it, a franchisor should absolutely be willing to um, give you tools and, and get into that stuff in the best way that they can. And hopefully their franchisees are, you know, again, and probably not transparent enough to show their P&Ls, but to take your phone call, and, and really have a productive, deep conversation. I, I know for a fact our franchisees are really um, involved in um, the, the growth of the brand and have a lot of skin in that game. 
And so, you know, that's an incentive for them, but they also, you know, are, are just great people. And I think they're really happy with what they've bought into. And so when I hear about these conversations, um, you know, I, I, I definitely hear that good conversations are being had and there's actually some, a bit of a deep dive there, which is nice. Like typically a prospects come back to me and say, Hey, you know, uh, they were willing to dive into some things that I wasn't expecting them to get into. So, um, so that's good news. And that's what you should expect. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you will end up being more informed and, and you'll be making a better decision than if you just blindly believed whatever the disclosure of the franchise or representative tells you anyways. Um, you know, what, 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 in, what huge investment would you make in your life um, without knowing what you want to know, right? Like, like, like imagine walking into a car lot and, and everything that the car salesman tells you, you just decide to believe, right? So why should you do that with, with one of these brands? So, so whatever they tell you, it's going to be watered down to some degree to protect them from future liability issues. And, and so we're not shy of getting into that um, when we, we get in discovery day and stuff like that, but also, you know, tackling as much as we can and giving people tools and whatnot. So, so realistically, that's the skinny on, on financials, but here's what's more important than that. Um, or call it equally as important, but the thing that you should get into first and that's fit. I, I always use this analogy with fit. It's like when you, when you go to university, uh, well, there's a million different subjects that you can choose. And yeah, you might have some prerequisites based on what you're good at in high school. But at the end of the day, you know, people have a lot to choose from. And then they change majors. And it's like, why, why would you want to get into computer science or art history or business or law or be, try to become a doctor? Or there has to be something there where you feel like it's a good fit for you and matches your skill sets. And there's a lot that you'd be good at. And, and then there's, there's stuff that would challenge you, which is, which is what we all want in life too, especially if, if we're really ambitious and, you know, there's more that we want to get out of our careers than just the financial aspect. So, so it's the same thing when you're buying a business, you know, you're, you're choosing uh, the right business for you. And, and so it starts with a lot of the skills that you've obtained. Not a lot of people buy businesses like right out of school or right out of high school. So, so you're out there and, and, and pretty much 100% of people we talk to are out there in, in the working world, in the corporate world. And some, some of them are, are, um, are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, but it's like, it's like, what are the skills that you have and where can they transfer to? And, and so the questions you want to be asking the franchisor is what do you guys look for in a franchisee? What does my day-to-day -day look like? What are those owner tasks and time commitments? And what really moves the needle? How do I prioritize those things? Because when I do that, I'm going to find out the skills that are really important um, to, to, to the business. Because, you know, there's a, a great Harvard professor, Clay Christensen, and he created this, this business model uh, that pretty much applies to any business and, and, and it's, it's uh, profit formula, resources, and processes. And, and, and it's just like those are the things that kind of move the business and, and those are the things that matter. And, um, you know, if you can look at it as simply as that. And, and one of the things that he describes is um, the profit formula in a very basic way. 
It's any business's profit formula is the criteria used to prioritize one option over another. And so the reason I, I bring that up is because you're going to look at a business and there's going to be a list of stuff. And, and different businesses will be different, but at the end of the day, there will be 10, 20, 50, 100 things that you can do in the business that matter and are impactful and important to the business. Now, if you're able to prioritize that criteria, and, 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 and a successful business owner and franchisor will tell you, here's the priority in, in, in my experience and with all the success that I've had, here's what you should really be focused on and, you know, from top to bottom. Then you can actually say, are my skills matching what's at the top of the list? Now you're really cooking with gas. So when you find a business where you feel like your strengths are matching up against a lot of things that are at the top of that list, the, the, the probability of you having success is going way up. And, and here's the good news about the bottom of the list is we can all learn things and, and develop skills and get better at things. So I think that, you know, when you talk about fit, it's so critical because, because here's the funny thing about finance. I, I'm going to give you the earnings claims. You know, I'm going to break all the rules. I'm going to give you the earnings claims and, and I'm going to tell you everything that you want to know financially. And then you're going to get your hands on the business and, and, and you might've seen what a top performer does and got really excited. But then that top performer looks nothing like you. you, you did, you're not a good fit for the business. You didn't take time to talk, talk with him. And he, is, he has all the soft skills and he's a people person and he's this and he's that and he's a self-star. And you're more of, um, you know, I don't say maybe introvert or, but, but a numbers person. And, you know, you just have totally different skill set. You're, you're not any less than him. You're just you're him or her. You're totally different, right? And so you bought this business and now you're on a treadmill, you know, because you're in a hamster wheel, whatever the analogy is, because you're really, really trying to get better at what doesn't come naturally to you. And even though, like I said, that is kind of possible, you've got all these amazing skills that you've perfected or that you've honed over years and that are a perfect fit for you that you went to school for, and they don't really matter that much to the business. So when I talk about fit, and, and I, I use that word over and over and over again, um, and I wanna sear it in everyone's brain, it is so critical to your success, right? So, you know, I think there are, there are factors in general um, to entrepreneurial success, um, you know, customers, right? If you're resource constrained, um, if there's things happening where you just cannot effectively serve the potential customers, um, you, can, you can run into trouble. And then when you're talking about businesses like the service industry and the business that we're in, you know, you have to wow customers. And so, so that's, that's key. Technology, uh, huge. And, and so when we entered Starks, we looked at, uh, you know, disruptive technology, right? This is a big thing happening. What, you know, businesses should we stay away from? But the funny thing was when we landed on the barber business as something that we thought was really attractive because people always need a haircut, we thought we could be leaders in this space. And obviously we have been, and, and we have things embedded in our business from brand and mobile booking app to AI virtual assistant. And like, you know, we're starting to get into selling a lot of our, our products online. And, and, and there's just a lot of stuff that, that happens at Starks. Um, you know, how, how we, all the automations that we have in the smart marketing that we have um, that touches the customer 
after they visited us and, and whatnot. And it's like, that's a part of every business. And, and there might be not, no more traditional business than, than the barbershop when you actually think about it. If somebody hurls that question at you, like talk to me about like old school and traditional businesses. Well, they all need to be modernized. You know, so that's the approach that we took, but you should take that approach too. How is the business that you're interested in buying leveraging technology? It's huge. Um, and identity. Every business has a set of characteristics that sets it apart from others. So a business has to choose its identity in order to kind of organize and prioritize its actions in a consistent manner and be easily identified by the target customer. So we have obviously our brand guidelines and that's embedded into our operations manual, which was written by Ryan and I. So it's our voices speaking and we thought that was hugely important before we got into franchising. So we dove into that and that, that literature and, and spat it out. And it's like in our brand guidelines, there are certain criteria that just give us our identity so that our customer comes in and goes like, Oh yeah, this, yeah, this is great. We, you know, we always need one of these and, in, uh, in, in Unionville or, or down here at Young and Lawrence or what a great concept when you that's the reaction you want to get right or oh I love this kind of food or I so, so whatever you're looking at it's like make sure there's an identity and make sure that when you're talking to franchisees um, within the system and asking them about how it's going also ask them like do you believe in the brand and the identity of the brand? And like, do you like what the franchisor is doing? And are y'all pushing the rock up the hill? Because that's the kind of team we're building at Starks. And I would hate for somebody to call one of my franchisees. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like at odds with this part of the business. And I think we can start, you know, doing, you know, more salon services. And then, you know, and, and that's the, that's a big pitfall in our industry, not to speak ill of competition, but not to be specific, but we, we noticed it, right. It was like, people constantly get worried about the business being successful. And so it's like, if I can, if I have the skills to cut a wide range of hair, I can hire stylists and barbers. I can do both sexes and I can, you know, and, and, and do salon services and barber services and I can be really successful and serve more customers. But then you lose your identity. Are you an expert at, in the salon area? Are you an expert barber? Or now maybe you're offering aesthetics. Are you, are you an expert at that? Are there estheticians doing the services? So um, it, it's not just, what you offer or what food you serve or, or what have you, it's great branding and it's great culture. And it's those kind of behind the scenes, you know, brand guideline, um, the anatomy there that, that pushes everybody um, to, to really kind of create the identity of the business. And then the last thing, you know, for, for entrepreneurial success, when I talk with these, these kind of four factors is competition. Um, you know, when you, when you consider everything above, the business actually chooses who it's competing with. So go, go through the customer aspect and dig deep, go through the technology aspect, go through the identity and branding aspect, and then you'll understand exactly who the competition is. Um, we tackle it in our discovery day. We say, you know, th these are the categories of, of competition and this is how we win. Um, but, you know, you should be able to figure that out for yourself. So, so, so yeah, when, when I take these, these four points and, and I apply them to Starks and, and again, it's not just to like talk about our business, um, but, but it's the insight that I can, I can give you in that real world example, because it's the business we're in. When we talk about customers ensure that we're focused on acquiring, you know, higher income, corporate type uh, professionals, professional services, insurance, legal, small business owners, et cetera, you know, people who have begun their careers as, as high earning and future high earning professionals and, 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 and then the executives, uh, you know, all age segments, 
um, and, and be, a, be a family place. And, and that's what Starks is, right? We, we service the luxury market. We charge a bit more, but, um, you know, we give a great service and uh, we fit those demographics. So make sure we're in the right location. Make sure we're doing the right things. Make sure that our stores feel luxurious, you know, for technology. Ensure the technology enhances the customer experience and, and gives us a competitive edge, right? So, so don't spend on technology um, like, you know, in our business, like some, some type of... Uh, software that would help us with you know the accounting of the business or or maybe some email software that we don't need because we already have a great version of that that's embedded into our crm that we use and, and is good enough quote unquote um you know spend it on things again that, that 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 enhances the customer experience like like a mobile booking app right or something like that identity for us it's it's again it's follow the brand guidelines you know show people that we are an upscale barber shop uh, with an elevated customer experience who is better than the budget brands. And, and again, it's not to push them down. It's because we are categorically different. So they're going to beat us on price because they're going to be cheater, cheaper. So we have to beat them on, on quality and service and experience. And that's how we charge more, right? So if, if the keg wasn't a good steak, you know, not to call it the keg, but I like it, so I'll call it out. So if the keg wasn't a good atmosphere and a good steak and a consistent experience, whether you're in one town or, or the other, um, then why would you go there? Why why wouldn't you just go to you know a, a lesser brand where where you're going to pay twenty five dollars for a steak instead of forty five dollars for a steak, right? Um, so so you got to do the do things, and and then I always say from for competition, don't try and win market share um, from the budget brands on something like price, you know, or, or form a salon or lean in that direction and offer salon type services. Look, we need to stay in our lane, stay ahead of our true competition. And focus on doing, you know, a better job of acquiring the target market um, than, than them, right? So, so let's let's know who we are, and 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 let's just be the best, you know, um, that we can be. And and I tell my franchisees, ask yourselves these questions. You know, is, is my content strategy doing a good job of connecting with the target market, right? All that social media content and the message that I'm putting out you know, with, with some of my stuff that I'm allowed to really be creative with. Am I doing a good enough job leveraging the technology that we have, you know, creating email trips and getting people to download the app and stuff, right? And enhancing their experience, especially when they're not in the store. Um, my store looks upscale and classy and great. I, I think they do, but we have a design package and we take care of that. And I think people come in and they're wowed by the atmosphere. Does the service reflect that? Does it match up to that, right? Uh, you know, are we properly greeting customers and doing detailed consultations, quality haircuts, are we wowing them? Um, ask yourself, am I doing a better job than the competition? Not, am I doing a better job than the local, you know, fill in the blank budget brand, really old school barber shop or, or you know, fancy high-end salon that charges way more than me and does predominantly salon services, not barber services. Like this is a great barometer. Um, because you know you, you, it keeps you in in the headspace of I know who my competition is and, and I think I'm I'm doing you know better than uh, you know my counterpart right so I think that that that's key and then when you become a franchisee you can really get into benchmarking and metrics and stuff within the system and that's when you can start looking at you know to circle all the way back around those earnings claims quote unquote type things. Um, where you can say, hey, am I doing a good job and, and, and am I meeting certain criteria? And um, yeah, I think that um, you'll know if you're doing a good job um, when, you're, when you're in the system. But realistically, my advice is 
you have to pick a business where your skill sets are at the top of those priority lists and where you just feel like there's harmony between what you're good at and what gets you excited and what the business wants out of you. And then be smart about what you do with their disclosure package and all the information they give you. Look, you know, grade their paper really tough on discovery day. You should walk into that with a lot of insight and a lot of tools. Uh, build your own pro forma and be confident in the numbers that you've created. And if you need help with that, hire an accountant, hire a professional to help you build that out. You know, talk to a friend of yours that's really, um, you know, apt in that, in that space um, and, and, and project the business yourself and be confident in it because we, you know, we started ours from scratch and that's the story of every successful, you know, business or franchise concept. It started somewhere out of thin air. And it starts with projections and pro formas. And so why shouldn't you do that? Again, it, it don't believe what anybody's just willing to tell you and, and you know, dissect the business, get into the anatomy of the business. Um, but I, I hope that that did a good job today of explaining why fit is so important and why, you know, earnings claims aren't all they're cracked up to be. And, and then recapping on, on the risk side of things like, hey, you're making an asymmetric bet. And chances are, if you believe in yourself and you're willing to do the work, you know, you're going to be really successful. So, yeah, I really wanted to share those secrets with, uh, with people today. And I, I'm going to do this every once in a while where I hang out in the, the old Starks Lounge myself um, and, and just kind of uh, do some, some memoirs and stuff and, and hopefully give you guys like a, a lot of value. Um, you know, in, in, in the, uh, on the other side of, of the fence when it comes to small business and whatnot. And I really, really looking forward to uh, the next few guests. And Calvin's going to be next up, I think, from Avis and Young. And we're going to talk about real estate. And, and that's, that's a hot button topic that I always get on the first call, right? And people are really interested in real estate. And, you know, without tipping off too much, it's, uh, it, it is really different than, than what you think. And the way that, that we survey a territory and, and the things that we look for. and um, some of some of the uh, availabilities that that are out there and the opportunities that are out there that that you know you either that, that you wouldn't think um, were available and how how real estate turns over um, you know how things are constructed and, and 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 what great anchors are and how to position yourself in a an ecosystem or a neighborhood or a plaza or or a street where you know, your people are being drawn there by, by not only you, but other businesses. So we're, we're going to get into that. That's really cool. And then obviously we'll continue with all the great, you know, inside scoop stuff and talk to franchisees and you'll get more firsthand experience uh, from people who are running businesses in our system and in other systems. I have some people lined up um, within other systems that, and I think that's really important again, to speak candidly and transparently and not have this thing be all about Starks. And, um, and, and then, uh, yeah, with the, the experts in the field, guys like Keith and we obviously I had, had Angela Cote on the last episode. She's amazing. Um, so make sure you hear that one, but, um, we'll keep snuffing out some industry experts. I also have the, um, uh, co-founder of uh, a really amazing Canadian brand called Just Junk. Um, and, and his name's Mike Thorne. He's been a mentor of mine and, um, we've had a few talks about him joining me on the podcast. So. Um, he, he's uh, going to carve out some time and uh, he is going to be super fascinating for people to listen to. And uh, if you are looking at buying a franchise, I really encourage you guys to, uh, to look at Just Jump and see what opportunities they have available. Um, because uh, I actually met Mike through two friends of mine who bought into his system and uh, it's changed their lives. So 
Um, yeah, franchising is uh, such an interesting thing to learn about and it should always be on your list if, if you're looking at becoming an entrepreneur. And I really hope that uh, you gain some, some key insights today and, and, and I hope you really enjoyed the, uh, the podcast and we'll see you next time in the lounge. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Starks Barbaco. 